Let's see here. Thank you, Jesus. All right, I apologize for that. Um, <clears throat> we crashed on our, uh, not we, the computer. Uh, actually, the, the platform uh, crashed. But we're good. We're back. Amen. And I'm happy. Amen. Uh, Jerry Savelle wrote a book years ago. I heard him preach the sermon. Um, uh, my pastor in those days, uh, Pastor John Loper uh, at Garywood Assembly of God, he had read Jerry Savelle's book, and he talked about that book and how much it, it impacted uh, Pastor Loper's life, and, and Pastor Loper had Jerry Savelle come uh, and, and, and minister. And the, and the book is, um, if the devil can't steal your joy, he can't keep your goods. Amen. And, um, and I think that book and that sermon um, has been uh, one of the most popular of now, what, a 50, almost 50-year 50 uh, career in ministry uh, from Brother uh, Jerry Savelle. So I still have my joy. Um, amen. I still have it. See? See it on my face? <laughs> anyway, praise God. So let's get back to this woman. Right? She had the issue of blood, suffered many things at the hands of the physicians. But she said, if I can just touch the hem of Jesus' garment. Now, if you look at that in the Amplified, if you look at it, that's another one of those that's re, that I think is recorded in three of the four Gospels, the account of this woman's miracle healing. Um, <clears throat> but look at the Amplified and look closely at a couple of the, of the accounts. It doesn't just mean she said it once. The literal translation is she said within herself continually. In other words, she meditated on that. She, she uh, fed her uh, heart, her spirit uh, with that. I mean, she's standing there, you know, probably kind of weak and... You know, if you've ever, you know, issues with your blood, it, it's, you know, life's in the blood. So we can stay trying to do things around our house. And, uh, and she just kept saying over and over and over. Notice, what is she doing? She's planting. The Word of God is seed. That's truth. I believe, we don't know this for sure, I believe um, the prophecies in, uh, I believe it's Malachi, of the Messiah, the Bible said that there would be healing in the wings, healing in his wings. That, that doesn't mean he's like Big Bird. The wings, we're talking about the fringe, the tassels on the garment, uh, the, the bottom of his garment. So the, the scriptures prophetically said that there would be healing in the Messiah's wings or the hems of his garment. And so I believe that's where biblically she got the word of God and started planting that word over and over and over and over in her heart until it came so alive in her that she crawled through that crowd, grabbed the hem of his garment, and was instantly made whole. So we've talked a little bit about reconciliation and discipleship and the renewing of the mind and our thoughts coming into alignment with and agreement with God's thoughts. What, what we see is that there's been a lot of things planted inside of us that God didn't plant there. There have been a lot of thoughts and ideas and opinions that, that do not agree with, do not line up with the Word of God. And, and, and some of the more devastating ones of those are things that we believe about ourselves, things, your self-image, uh, images that we have of ourselves, beliefs that we have of ourselves, false beliefs, wrong beliefs about ourselves. And so it's, it's the Word of God, right, meditating the Word of God, taking the Word of God, developing this skill of planting the Word of God in your own heart, meditating it, muttering it, confessing it, planting it, right? See, this is how we get a new crop of truth uh, springing forth up in our heart and in our lives. All right, let's go <clears throat> now uh, to the next one. So the first one is the Word of God is seed. Um, uh, number two, we see that the Word of God is light. 
it's light. Um, Psalm It says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Then Psalm 119, 130, the entrance of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Okay, so the word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. The entrance of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. So <clears throat> this one may seem at least at first like a stretch, but but if the Word of God brings light, if the Word of God gives light, um, think about it for a moment. <clears throat> the, the earth was without form and void, and the Bible says darkness covered over the face of the deep, but the Holy Spirit hovered there, and when God said, let there be light, there was light. Notice, as the Word of God penetrated into that darkness, it pushed that darkness back and created an envelope of light in the midst of the darkness. The entrance of His Word brings light. It gives understanding to the simple. <clears throat> so what, what is, how, how could this benefit us, right? Um, think about how many different subjects in our lives we need some light shined on. How many different situations, uh, decisions, dilemmas, rocks and hard places, uh, choices that we need to make, um, big decisions, little decisions, medium-sized decisions, life-changing decisions, you know, things pertaining to our families, things pertaining to our careers, things pertaining to our future, right? What's the, what's the question we said we need to ask ourselves over and over again? What does the Word say? What does the Word say? And you'll notice a lot of times you'll find yourself in situations where, where people are batting around all these different opinions and ideas of what we need to do next, where we need to turn, where we need to go, how we need to proceed, so forth and so on. And, and then all of a sudden, somebody who knows something from the Word of God about that particular situation, that particular problem, whatever, that all of a sudden they just say, hey, you know, the Word says, the Bible says, and you speak that out there. See, now, it requires some skill. You've got to study to show yourself approved. You've got to rightly divide the Word of God. You've got to understand what part of the Word may apply to that particular situation. But now all of a sudden, when you put the Word of God on it, you put some light on it. You put some light on it. I, <clears throat> I am... Amen. Think about for a moment, you know, I, I wound up in, in, uh, in my uh, basement. Um, Costco had a real good price on them. And uh, not that that matters, but anyway, the Lord blessed me with a good deal on them. But I bought these, um, they screw into uh, an Edison bulb base, okay? Um, but they have these wings that, that fold out and are adjustable, and they're LEDs. And um, I, it, it took me a time. It took me a little while to do it. I, did, I didn't do it all at once because, you know, $40 light bulb, right? You know what I'm saying? But um, guess what? When I go down to my uh, basement to do a project now, I can see, right? I, there's no windows in, in, in that uh, part of the basement. And so I, I can see now. And it's, and it's amazing. Have you ever tried to do something in, in poor light, you know, and, and how much easier it is once you've got some light on the subject and, and, and you can see what you're doing. It's, it's amazing the difference that it makes. And so in the same way, in different uh, you know, facets of our lives, if we can get the Word of God in that situation and, and enter the Word of God, bring it on the scene, whatever that scene may be, 
now all of a sudden it, it, it not only provides a, a different perspective, a new perspective, it provides God's perspective. And man, it's amazing um, the difference um, light on the subject, the light of God on the subject uh, can, uh, can make. Amen. All right, let me, so again, there's skill there. All right, let's go to the next one. This is probably, I, need to, I probably need to reverse these and get this one first because this one is, um, is maybe where it's most easily recognized. We know from Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 17 that the Word of God is a sword. Okay? He tells us to take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So the Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. And if you're familiar with this portion of Scripture, he's talking about the, uh, the armor of God. He tells us to put on the whole armor of God. Put on the whole armor of God. And uh, the last thing that he t- tells us to put on is the helmet of salvation. Uh, and, of course, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the belt of truth. All these things, extremely important. But if you think about it, all of those different implements are all defensive in nature. They're designed to, uh, to deflect an arrow or prevent a, a, a thrust from uh, an enemy spear. But the offensive weapon that we've been given is the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, there are alums to this uh, uh, class that are with us now that are already grinning because they know what I'm about to say. I'm about to ask a question and I'm about to make a statement and I'm predictable and I would not dare let y'all down by avoiding it, okay? Uh, anybody know why we only have one offensive weapon? Brian Reynolds, I can hear you screaming it from wherever you are in the state of Alabama right now. Amen. We only have one offensive weapon because we only need this one offensive weapon. We've only been given one because one's all we need. The Word of God is the offensive weapon that we have been given uh, that stands alongside all of the other uh, defensive armament uh, that the spiritual armor, the whole armor of God, after we suit all that up, he says, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And then he tells us to what? To pray, right? Pray. So if the Word of God is a sword... If the Word of God is a sword, if it is an offensive weapon that we can use to inflict serious damage on spiritual forces arrayed against us, if the Word of God is a sword, how do we effectively swing that sword? It's not a trick question. We do it by speaking. If it's a word sword... If it's a word sword, then we swing it by speaking the words. Praise God. Now, I don't know if you've ever watched, uh, I'm sure they compete all over the world all throughout the year, but the only time I've ever really paid close attention to fencing is during the Olympics. And you see that these folks are very, very skilled um, with their swords and, and the tactics and the uh, you know, different ways that, that they maneuver and, and, and all these other things. And so the point being, uh, someone who has become very skilled with a sword, we need to become very skilled with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Amen? All right, let's go uh, to another one now. Um, And really, it's one verse that contains uh, two characteristics, (coughs) two comparisons, and that is 
uh, Jeremiah 23, 29. Jeremiah 23, 29. And here he says, um, Jeremiah 23, 29. Let me put it up on the screen. Praise God. All right. He says, God speaking, is not my word like a fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? Is not my word like a fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? So the final two is the word of God is a fire, and the Word of God is a hammer. So we see that the Word of God is seed, it's light, it's sword, it's fire, and it's hammer. Right? Amen. And, and we notice then that in each of these, there are unique ways that, um, that, that each of these would be utilized or applied to uh, produce some result um, in, our, in our lives. So, we, so what are we seeing about the Word of God? It's very easy, low-hanging fruit, to say the Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. And, and absolutely that is. And, and you know, people hear that one. That's kind of maybe the, the one go-to that most people are familiar with because of the uh, emphasis in a lot of places on the, on the whole armor of God. But we see that the Word of God um, can be used uh, practically in our lives in multiple different ways. This one right here, the Word of God is a fire, it, it, it takes me, anyway, almost immediately over to the book of James where he's talking about the power of the tongue, and he, and he says you know, that the, the tongue is like uh, kindling, uh, that you know, you know, a whole forest, you know, thousands and thousands of acres can be burned uh, by you know, one errant um, uh, oh, uh, spark, by one you know, one misuse uh, of a, one negligent uh, camper, right, can leave a fire unattended, and that fire can then uh, burn, uh, you know, set on fire, you know, thousands and thousands of acres. So what he's talking about here, among other things, is the exponential power that's in the Word of God, uh, that, that it's... it's um, its ability to affect uh, both the present tense and things that are far-reaching. Now, as much as I appreciate, and I'm not trying to listen to me, please don't misunderstand me, all of these are important, all of these are equal, I'm not trying to elevate one over the other, but it was a really happy day uh, in, in, in my life and world when uh, this verse came alive that also says, the Word of God is like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. The Word of God is like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. So if the Word of God is a hammer, and we know from Jesus' teachings that rocks or mountains, these things um, were often used in Scripture as obstacles, Remember what Jesus said, you will say to the mountain, be removed. So notice the Word of God is a hammer that breaks the rock. What is a mountain if it's not a big rock, right? You follow what I'm saying? Um, he says that the Word of God is like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. Now, clearly, you know, notice this is Jeremiah. Jesus went on to say that we could say to the mountain and the mountain would just be removed altogether. And certainly God works in our lives that way. But 
what my prayer for everyone listening to me right now, my prayer for you is that you will experience the Word of God breaking obstacles in your life to pieces. And, and I'm, listen, God is amazing in how He works in our lives. And, and I've mentioned already you know, things we're studying here on Sunday. And you know, God could have teleported the nation of Israel from slavery in Egypt to the promised land in Canaan. In, in other words... It could have been like rapture practice where just the Egyptians woke up one day and the Israelites were all gone and nobody even knew where they were. Remember when, uh, I believe it was Pete, yeah, Peter was in prison and, and they were talking about killing him because they'd killed uh, uh, James, uh, John's brother, and, uh, and everybody was really happy about that. And so, man, it's like Peter's a bigger prize than James. And they were talking about killing Peter uh, soon, if not the next day. And... Um, and an angel, you know, taps him on the leg and walks him out of that prison. And the gate opens of its own accord. And, and um, you know, so God, listen, God can do this. I mean, we talk about Philip out in the desert and, and, and him being teleported, translated to Azotus. Um, so the Egyptians could have woke up one morning and the Israelites just gone. And, and they'd be over in the promised land having them a celebration, right? But if you understand the whole concept of what God's trying to do in our lives, for, for him to have taken them from slavery in Egypt and translated them into the promised land without them ever having learned how to trust him in a practical way, it would have been disastrous. It would have been disastrous. And so instead of it being a 40-year journey that ended in death, it should have been an 11-day journey that ended in a great celebration. But remember, God can only take you as far as your trust in him will allow. And so when we talk about the hammer breaking the rock in pieces versus speaking to the mountain and the mountain being removed, it's not an either-or situation. It's, it's both and. God works in, in, in both ways in our lives. And a lot of times the consistency of chipping away a little bit, 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 a little bit. Think about in your own life um, things that have been joyous celebrations Amazing breakthroughs that, you know, an innocent bystander, so to speak, outside looking in would think, man, that happened to you all of a sudden. But it didn't happen all of a sudden. It came to pass in a moment, but it's something you had been confessing and speaking and standing on and believing and chipping away at for a, a, a long period of time. And then all of a sudden, boom, it, it, it comes to breakthrough, right? So... Think about that when we're, when we're talking about using the Word of God. Certainly moving mountains out of your way with, with one confession and, and uh, very important, very powerful. But there's also the other side of that where um, we chip away uh, using the Word of God like a hammer. Praise God. Amen. Let's, um, mm -mm -mm. We're, we're kind of up on new section here. And we're getting close on time. Let's at least introduce this. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1. Amen. Is this, I, I know that I can't see people that are watching online, but for those of you who are in the room, is this, is this making sense to you? Is it, is it, is it okay? Good, 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 good. Um, and so before we go to Hebrews 1, let's, let's go back in our hearts and minds to Hebrews 5. So do you see why he was talking about them being skilled in the Word? Not, not just knowledgeable. Knowledge is important. Don't misunderstand me. Knowledge is important. 
Um, but, you know, there's a lot of, I've said this I think already, but the people who crucified Jesus because they thought he was a, a phony and a fraud could quote the Old Testament. You know, they, they knew the Bible, um, but they didn't, they didn't know God. And, and so it, it requires not just knowing the Word of God, but to know the God of the Word, right? To know, to know Him and to walk with Him and to experience Him in your life reality. And to take what we're learning and hearing and, and apply it to our lives. This is how we grow. This is how we develop. This is how we make progress and how we mature and, and how we are promoted, um, how, how we are able uh, to be trusted by God uh, with, with more and more of the things that He wants us to have and experience and enjoy in our lives. It's a simple illustration. Uh, I, I think I've used it many different times over many different years, but you know, for me to have given one of my children an automobile when, when they were 11 years old um, would not have been a blessing to them or, for that matter, to anybody else, right? Because there, it's not that I didn't want them to have or somehow I wanted to withhold or not give them something good. Um, certainly, you know, I want to give it to them, I want to bless them with it. But it would have been foolish on my part to give them something that they were not mature enough to handle and for it to be a blessing to them, what, what would have, you know, meant to be a blessing would have turned out to be uh, a curse. And, and that's a real simple, basic way of explaining these things. But, but your Heavenly Father is literally pouring as much of His good things and blessing and prosperity into your life that He can possibly pour into your life and my life without it becoming a distraction or a hindrance to us or something that, that ultimately uh, separates us from him. He said, if you be faithful in the, in the few things, in the small things, he'll make you ruler over many things, right? Um, to not despise small beginnings. And all of these things, of course, we see taught throughout the Word of God, emphasized uh, directly by Jesus while he was here uh, upon uh, the earth. And so, <clears throat> um, Brother Keith Moore, one of my uh, favorite Bible teachers, and uh, he was talking about just one day just before the Lord and just, just so overwhelmed with the goodness of God and, and all the things that, that, that Father God had taught him and, and shown him and revealed to him from the Word. And he, and he, asked, he asked the Lord, he said, Lord, I, I'm so thankful. He said, why, why, do you, why have you chosen to reveal these things to me? And he said the Lord answered him, not an audible voice, but in his heart, just very clearly. He said, because I knew you would appreciate them. I knew you would appreciate them, right? And, and so our attitude towards the Word of God has everything to do with what we receive from the Word of God, our willingness to commit ourselves to study the Word, to take what we're hearing and applying it. Listen, when, when you're starting to do things differently um, from the way you've done them your whole life, then you know, you're talking about something that, that can begin with you know, feeling very awkward. You know, it's, it's like if, if you're right-handed and... and um, for some reason, you, you, you have to start brushing your teeth with your left hand. You know, it's like, man, this is, this is so different from the way I've always done it and what feels right and what, what, what makes sense and, 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 and what uh, feels safe and seems right, some of the phrases that I use around here. Um, and, and yet, it's, it's that learning curve, that initial awkwardness of doing something a different way, God's way, 
that requires the commitment, right? We've got to commit ourselves to it. But man, if we can ever break through that initial resistance that the enemy tries to bring uh, to where we start to experience the results. As we began this, I talked about the, the subject of tithing. Someone could be a master uh, as far as what the Bible says about it, but they'll never know it until they do it, right? Because once you do it, you experience the benefit, you experience the, the result, you experience... Um, remember, God honors those who honor Him, and we honor Him with the first fruits of our increase. We honor Him with our substance. And, and so when we begin to do that, honor God, receiving the honor of God back into our lives, it, it, at that point, see, this is when you really know it because you have experienced the Word. And this is, again, how it goes from milk to meat, and we uh, grow thereby. All right. <clears throat> this next section, and um, amen. <clears throat> Man, I hope that's not blasting y'all when I do that. I'm... I am blessed and healed. Amen. All right, so the, um, I'll talk to you for just a minute, and this is where we will dig in next week. Um, I want to talk to you about the word of his power. So remember, we're talking about the word of reconciliation, the word of God. And um, for a lot of years, I, Hebrews 1, uh, for a lot of years I misquoted um, this particular passage, uh, and I'll show you what I mean by that. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1, God who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by His Son. Jesus, the express image of His persons. sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Now, there's a lot here that we will unpack uh, in the days ahead, but notice the phrase, upholding all things by the word of his power. Where I misquoted this for, uh, year, you know, incorrectly for years, is I transposed it into the power of his word. Now, power of his word because that's not like some kind of erroneous statement or something like that but that's not what it says here so what's the difference between the the power of his word and the word of his power the word of his power is speaking of his power being um, uh, uh, delivered through his word so if you if you think about um, we, we could say it this way uh, and upholding all things uh, by the pipe of his water. So in other words, if you go to the water fountain uh, before you leave uh, here this evening, um, we know that the water comes to that fountain through a pipe, through a conduit. And so what he's saying here, upholding all things by the word of his power, he's saying that it is... His words that direct His power. It's His words that 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 deliver His power. Um, his His power goes from Him into a situation through the vehicle, through the instrumentation of His words, upholding all things by the word of His power. Okay, and so 
there are other key things here. Let me just mention this and then we'll pray. In uh, verse number 2, he says, has in these last days spoken to us by his son, by his son. God spoke to in the person of his son it's not just what jesus said to us but it's how he lived and what he did um, and again i'll get into this in greater detail next week just want to plan it tonight about God from what Jesus did as you can from what Jesus said. Okay. And, uh, and so this, again, goes back to our ability to, to know God and to understand Him, His person, His character, His nature. We see that He has thoroughly revealed and declared that to us once of His Son. So it's not just the words that Jesus spoke to us, but it's the lifestyle that he lived. And the tendency is, we, we often, I mean, I just keep going here, but we often um, reverse it in the sense that we never really fully consider the lifestyle of Jesus as reflecting the true nature and characteristics of God. But instead, we look at the, at the, at the personality and the, and the actions of the prophets uh, as being a reflection of the true personality of God. And again, they were mouthpieces. They were good men. I'm not trying to discredit any of them, but they were not born-again men. Remember, the greatest prophet in the Old Testament is John the Baptist, but the least in the kingdom who's been born again is greater than John. Um, these men were not born again. And, and, and so you, know, you look at, like David, and some of the things that, the mistakes that they made, the sin that they committed, um, where they missed God. Um, Jesus never missed God. And he never did a single thing that inaccurately reflected the true nature and characteristic of our Heavenly Father. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for this beautiful time together, uh, Lord, this evening. Thank you for the things that you're revealing to us and teaching us and showing us. Thank you, Father, that no weapon formed against us will prosper. Lord, thank you, Father, that your word is alive and active in our lives and in our families. Thank you, Father, that we're not just hearers of the word, but we're doers. Lord, we hear these sayings of yours, and then we, with the Holy Spirit's help, begin to apply them practically to our lives. Lord, we plant them as the seeds that they are, um, we direct them as the light that they are. Father, we swing them as the sword that they are. Uh, Father, we chip away with them like the hammer uh, that they are, Father, because we know that developing skill where your word is concerned is how we truly grow and develop in the things that you have for us to grow up into. Lord, thank you for the service that's ahead at Heritage. Thank you for the words that you have prepared for us tonight, uh, Lord, to be received uh, by many, many people, Lord, that's going to make a big, big difference for your glory in their lives. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Aren't right, you loved? Nobody's told you that today. Thank you uh, again for being with us.
good things coming to you. And if, hey, if somebody's around you right now, just look over at them, give them the biggest smile you can give them and tell them good things.